Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 94. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the assembler of race car beds, Tom Smiley. And we're here to talk about Legacy. I should have got him a race car bed. Now that we got him a regular bed, I feel like we, we failed as parents. Um, we I, I was late to record because I was putting together my kid's regular bed. He's out of his toddler bed. He's a big boy now, and he's jumping all over it. It's it's great. That's awesome, man! I can't believe time flies, right? Like he was, uh, he was, what? When we started this cast, he was uh, still one, right? Yeah, and now he's almost three. It's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. I haven't seen him in a while. I guess I haven't seen anybody in a while. Come to think of it, <laughs> so neither, neither <laughs> have we. When we yeah. uh, when we moved into the house. We started doing the, uh, like, stand up against the uh, doorway in the kitchen and sort of mark off how tall he is. Oh, nice. And every time we go to do that, it just shoots up so much. It's crazy. That's a classic, bro. I was so sad when that got painted over, my, my little chart. Uh, they had to use all five feet, nine inches of paint to, fi- to finish that. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I feel bad, though, for kids right now. Like, my... My neighbor's kids, like, you know, we share, like, a driveway with them and garbages and stuff. So, and we both have dogs. So, like, you know, I interact with them somewhat regularly. They're probably, like, uh, sixth grade and eighth grade, I would say. But I was just, like, thinking about it. I was sort of tripping out on it yesterday, just feeling bad for them because, like, the girl, I think she's in eighth grade and she's starting high school in the fall. And they're saying that they might have their courses online. And I'm trying to like remember when I was going to high school and like how excited I was and like finding out your classes are like going to be online and shit. And you, you didn't even get to like have the the experience, s- the spring of your eighth grade or like the spring or like high school seniors. Like how much does that suck, right? I mean, it, it sucks. They just canceled school for the rest of the year here in massachusetts and no prom no graduation no um just no anything it's, everybody it's, keeps saying that no prom no graduation like that seems like pure upside to me but the the no <laughs> parties no no skipping school no parties no lacrosse season you know like that's that sucks right yeah there's there's a lot of things that suck um their colleges around here are preparing for the fall semester to be completely online too bro so my mother-in-law is actually uh some sort of like a uh i don't know board member i don't know what to call it but something at northeastern yep and she was talking about that and saying like uh basically that they're they're still they're keeping all their staff and i was like curious because like, do you still pay the regular rate to go to college even if you're just going online for, like, a school like Northeastern, say? So I do. Um, and I believe that they're not giving... So they're, like, obviously not going to charge people for room and board or anything like that. But I think the um, the regular tuition cost won't change. See, that's bullshit, bro. It is. I mean, most a lot of the money that people pay is to like is to fund the on campus stuff, the new buildings, the door all that. And um paying fifty thousand dollars to go to Northeastern online just doesn't seem doesn't seem reasonable. But no, people it's are, not people worth are for it sure all. gonna do it. Oh, that's so fucked. I, I I was gonna ask her, but then I was like I don't know. Um 
You didn't want to get into it with your mother in law. Exactly. Like, well, why? Why are you guys still doing that? That's really, really awful. I'm sure I would have been outnumbered in in this the dynamics of the Zoom call we were on. So, yep. I think um, you don't want to get ratioed with your family. Yeah, exactly. A, a lot of what you're you're paying for though with college, like you know, it is the experience, in my opinion, like the you know the connections that you make and the the sort of you know people that you you meet and experiences and whatever so like if you if you take all that out of the equation you're just sitting in your fucking room who cares what school you go to i 100 percent agree with you yeah that's that's wild man yeah people need um companionship yeah yeah i was trying crazy. to i was trying to find a way to transition that was a fucking awful transition. <laughs> oh i got you though but we that, did it we did it yeah dude so Speaking of companionship in this time of quarantine, though, I was wondering what you thought about doing a Zoom call for our, our Patreons. I would 100% be down for that. Should we schedule that, man? Like, Can you talk to them on the Discord or whatever? Yeah, how about you reinstall Discord? <laughs> and once we do that, we can uh, we can set up a Zoom call. I think well, that would be fun. Well, dude, actually, one of my, uh, one of my intro topics is antisocial media. Because, like, I, I'm just, I'm struggling to use social media these days. Like, I'm so quarantined. I think I've, I've sort of, like, brought that attitude over into my social media. And I'm just, like, not responding to people on Messenger anymore and shit. Okay. So, getting into Discord now feels like the, the wrong direction. But it, I'll, um, make, I'll make I an mean, effort. I mean, it might be. It might be. I'll make an effort, man. I'm just saying no promises. Okay, okay. So, yeah, companions, though. We'll get back to magic stuff first of all we we're not doing a video call right now so you can't tell what's in my hand but if you had to guess a bottle of jameson yes that's actually true but (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh but what also my other hand is my hat I'm, i'm coming to everyone with my hat in hand this episode because I feel like we, we kind of let people down last week on the set review. Oh, because we didn't we didn't understand how these were just going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, there's one particular thing that stuck out to me. And it I, I listened to this episode. And in between the time when we recorded it and I listened to it, I changed my mind on Bug Delver because I thought about Tarmogoyf. And how you could play it with Luris. And, you know, Gurmag Angler wasn't as strong in Tarmogoyf decks as it was outside of them. Yep. So I, I'd been like, okay, I think Bug Delver will play Luris. Like, I wasn't around to Grixis or anything. That that was still a surprise to me. Yep. But I already felt like, okay, I wish I didn't say that. And you know when you're, like, listening to another podcast, not our own, and you're, like, you want to be yelling at them? This is the first time I've had that experience with myself where, like, 24 hours later I'd already been, like... Oh, you fucking idiot, you know? Yep. So I, I kind of feel like we let people down in that regard. And I just didn't even think of Bomberman when we're talking about Zidra. So those two things really stuck stuck in my craw, I guess. We didn't sort of talk about that in the artifact activated. No, you did. Deck. You did, absolutely. Um, okay. You didn't talk about Bomberman specifically, but I uh, I just wasn't thinking about it. So yep. you, you did have... Uh, much better things to say about Zidra. Definitely. But I think yeah. we both we both missed the boat on uh 
the black blue one. Yeah, but that's the kind of boat that I do miss because I, I just when people start talking about those decks like uh, Zebra Stompy or whatever the fuck it's called, Ice Station Zebra, yep, or, or like uh, Tin Fins or whatever. I, I just like it. It's just in one ear out the other. I'm just like I'll worry about it when I have to force something, you know. I I absolutely agree with you. Those are decks that I don't have a ton of experience with either. And generally decks that I don't really gravitate toward playing. Right. So it's awesome to see screenshots of people winning on mulligans to two. Yeah. But I still don't I still don't know how that deck interacts with like a like a blue force of will deck. So yeah, you know, I just really wanted to apologize for that. And as soon as I drafted one, like a Luris, because obviously I've been drafting this set nonstop the past four days, I uh I was like, ah oh, fuck. This card is this card is really good, you know, and that that's sort of like what it takes sometimes for me is to actually just play the card in limited and have to think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so different when you haven't had experiences playing with the cards to tell how broken it is. Yeah. I think we both agreed that Luris was going to be insane, but not the most broken card since the 90s insane. Like, yeah. So I think that was a quote from our friend Rich. Yeah, um, it was. And uh and Rich was on top of this. I got to give him credit, man, because we were talking on the phone. He he didn't have a phone for a while, and he just uh just got a new phone, so he gave me a call to test it out. And that was right after we recorded actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, and he was saying something about the uh the 5 mana 5/5 five five that uh taps for like one mana of each color. Just saying, like that, that deserves a spot in lands and all this, all this other stuff that I was sort of like questioning, not sure. And he was like, "Oh, definitely," and he was he was right. You know, he he felt that they were going to be that broken at that point in time, and it yep. took took me a while to get around on it. And I'm still not around on some of them, but he was certainly right with regard to Luris. So yeah, respect there, and you know, it sometimes it takes a takes a little bit of playing, but I. Uh, Obviously, it's a problem, and I, I just I wonder how much of a problem really because we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But these cards, like you know, twenty out of thirty-two in the challenge, twenty-three out of thirty-two in the respective past two challenges from this weekend. How many? What do you think the percentage of people who entered the event with companions was? Probably high. I this is one of the one things that the one of the things I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. On the cast today, like. Yes, the challenges used to be like the sort of pinnacle of the competitive play online and everything got revamped. But I think a lot of the people playing online right now are really just trying to play the new cards. So we see a huge saturation of these companions and obviously they're really, really good. But I mean, I I guess three quarters of the people in that tournament were playing them. That was what I was going to guess, yeah. So. Something around the the same ratio of people who top 32 so it becomes a question of were you playing the best deck or were you playing a deck to to fuck around and it's we're kind of in a weird spot right now because it is the most competitive legacy event that's going on right now is the challenge but also (laughs) there's there's no competitive legacy so it's like you know how serious is the challenge really that that is the thought that i had exactly so um, people want to be the first to play a new card, the the first to break it. 
yeah. the first to get their name on a deck list that has <laughs> these new cards. I thought you were going right. to say on the dead format, <laughs> the first to get their name said on uh, our podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, no, people, <laughs> that's really what drives people. Um, you know it. We all know it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, get mentioned on MTGO deck lists, but. <laughs> the Legacy Edition. Yeah. Real quick, I just want to talk about the draft format before we get into you know, an hour or whatever of results. Uh, it's the same colors as Konzatark here. We talked about that a little last week, but uh, Konzatark here, if I were to make a second cube, because I made an Innistrad cube already, but if I were to make a second, it would be Konzatark here. And the reason is because I think it was an interesting draft format, but really it was super easy, I think, for, for new players to do well if you're learning to draft or whatever, because you really can't miss between like the ability to play off color morphs the huge amount of fixing in the set mm-hmm. uh you you really couldn't miss if some especially if somebody explained to you just draft around the zendikar fetches like marsh flats or arid mesa you know stay in those color pairs and you'll find a deck yep this draft format you also can't really miss because you can just play off color cycling cards if you need to but uh the the format is a little more complicated. The cards are a little more complicated. They, it really seems like they've done away with the New World Order. So it's it's not easy mode like Khans was. But it, it's... I don't know, man. It, it's still, I think... I, I don't know how I feel about the format still. And I'm like 15 drafts in. So it might be good. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm... um. I'm not 100% sure on how the draft format's going to be, for sure. Um, but I'm I'm excited to see how everything plays out. I don't know if I'm going to be drafting it online. I'm definitely not going to be getting into it uh, as in-depth as you. Yeah. Well, I stopped, I stopped Theros at 17 trophies, mm-hmm. and my rating was consistently like 1750 throughout that format. Yep. Which was about the same as Eldraine, and... Uh, it had gone down from war and m20 but now yep. it's it's back up so i'm doing better in this format like i've got four trophies out of 15 drafts i think now so it my, my trophy percentage is higher so far but i i don't know if i if i like it that much but well it's early in the format exactly. there have been quite a few times where like at the beginning you're like ah, i don't really know if i like this format and then a week or two later you're like Pro, I love this format. That's exactly, yeah. You're exactly right about that. I think that Wizards has kind of been hitting, has been hitting on the limited play environment a lot better than they have been on the constructive play environment. So we'll we'll see what happens. Definitely. One one interesting thing though that I've been sort of fixated on is the price of the cards because we've talked about this. Uh, Are cards still worth money? Are new cards still worth? Well, yeah. Well, so we talked about this before with. Um, regards to the treasure chest and people paying you basically out of your own collection slowly because you know you don't expect new players to come on at the rate that treasure chests are being opened so basically this has sort of been uh painted over by the fact that the new sets have had so many eternal playables in them so we've had like you know, just going back to Eldraine, we had Oko, which was like 80 tickets at one point, then 60, then 40 as it got banned in different formats, and then eventually 20. We had Uro in the last set that was always, you know, between 40 and 60 tickets. And then 
there there was always this chase mythic that you needed three or four of in the new set that you needed to play you know modern legacy vintage whatever they're, they've been these insanely overpowered cards and in this set it's really interesting man because Loris is like the chase card but it's not a mythic it's a rare and you can mm-hmm. only need one of them per player yep and uh Kinnon bond or whatever it's called it sort of restricts itself because it's a it's a legendary creature so you don't play four you're not going generally. for a straight four play set yeah you're, yeah you're probably, probably playing less exactly man jiruda or whatever is the other card but it's also a rare so and it's it's banned on moto right now because of a bug so the prices of the cards like the only card that's been worth the price of a draft has been fiend artisan yep so it's it's really kind of strange and if they end up hitting these companions like we're going to talk about later i wonder what's going to happen to the prices set on moto and yeah i i don't know i'm sure that there there could be some other cards that that come up later on that soak up a little bit of the value but it's crazy that garuda is banned for a bug that just gets people reimbursed like the bug is that the card isn't as good as it should be yeah right that's that's crazy yeah dude and it's it's crazy too that you know they didn't listen to joe dyer could have told them about this if they just listened to our podcast from two weeks ago the moto developers so i mean are do those people exist (laughs) you know what i'm saying like who are the moto developers because they they must have like a very interesting life um outside of work to to do what they do in the game dude i don't know, you know if they have saying? an like, outside they must, life they must just have like four day coke benders and then show up to work and they're like no i'm not gonna <laughs> fix this today i swear to god though when i picture moto developers dude i picture a dark room with like a couple bright screens and they're not allowed to leave ever <laughs> they're just like these four dudes with glasses and they're like wasting away they, they know, have bunk beds in the room yeah dude race car bunk beds and there's like uh <laughs> there's like rap you know monster energy drinks and shit and people give them food through like a slot in the door <laughs> okay also the servers are in that same room so that's what keeps them warm yep and uh when it gets too hot that's when they need to start to like cycle through some of the servers to shut them down and moto gets laggy yeah exactly bro so they we, uh, we figured it out yeah this is honestly like the picture i've always had in my head but where we we're, we probably have like like a listener or a patreon who like is a moto developer and they're like you assholes but you got it so right yeah <laughs> So, yeah, dude, it's crazy, though, because also I was thinking, we were talking about this earlier, like, what percentage of the revenue from from Wizards for for Q2 2020 will end up being digital revenue? Oh, I mean, one, it was going to be a higher percentage anyway, because their their revenue had been, like, doing better and better digitally. Yeah. But two, now all their paper revenue is, like, gone. Every place is closed. Yeah. I'm sure they're still selling some cards, but I think that it's going to be a majority digital just because of the environment that we're in. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see that, you know, what ends up happening there, but yeah, the market, what, what happens with the market when quarterly reports start to come out? Is this going to be, it's going to be crazy. I don't, I don't want to be around for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting though, because they have this excuse because part of my theory about companions was that war of the spark was a great selling set. And that was last spring. 
So they had to have this spring set sell well as well. So this was one way to ensure all the cards would be played in eternal formats and commander. Yeah, but you can't just continue to push that. No, you you can't. But right now, I think they're just sprinting towards a finish line in in their own mind, right? Yep. Okay. Yikes. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's sort of uh what we've been operating on this sort of like arena model for a while in my opinion but now that 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 bullet kind of got wasted because nobody can buy the paper cards anyway right now so do they just ban these cards like is there a lot less pressure on them to keep the cards legal because there's no paper market right now uh so no i i think that there is not pressure to keep the cards legal I think that if it breaks the online formats is as badly as we think we saw it happen this weekend, then they, they have to do something because then they lose their, their other viable like stream of revenue. Right. If, if all of the exactly, internal formats yeah. are broken on MTGO, then like that's, that's not good. Yeah, no dude, you're exactly right. That, so that, that's sort of the, the question I was asking, but then like what happens to the draft format if all these cards just lose all their value? Well, I mean, the actual play of the draft format, like, nothing will change, right? The, right. Oh, yeah, drop yeah. the price of the draft. But the there will be other cards in the set that will not that are not going to be banned that will sort of soak up that value. Like, let's say um what Fiend Artisan. Yeah. Fiend Artisan ends up being like a player. If those cards get banned, then the price of Fiend Artisan just creeps up a little bit. Yeah. Sort of like voice of resurgence in the dragon set. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think that also this is a unique time because we've talked about this before. It, the community at large has talked about this a lot, like errating cards and how Hearthstone can do this, like sort of post print errata and magic has never done something like that. Oh, they. Oh. You think they can do something like that? I think so because. And I usually I would always think that this was stupid to talk about, but in this specific case of Companion, yep. all they wrote on the card was Companion. Uh, this card can be cast from outside of the game once if you declare it as your Companion before the game. Okay. So with these cards, I think that you could do something like, say, you know, Companion means it can't be in your sideboard, and all this means is if you, it gets plowed, you can cast it once or something. I think that something like that isn't totally off the table, but it would it would surprise me to see them do that. I I I would surprise me more to see them do that than a lot of a lot of things that they could do to fix it. What what I think is that it wouldn't really be that much bigger than like the Wish Errata, for example. Okay. But that that's you know just my thoughts on it. Wouldn't I think that if they more. did do, I, I guess uh, yeah. Um, I don't want to see them change Wish. And if they if they printed these cards and screwed up anything that involved wishing for cards in your sideboard, then we're gonna see one angry Bryant. <laughs> True. So yeah, he he'll come he'll come. He's got a long way to come down because he's riding the high right now of Storm being good. <laughs> but Plus yeah, you can't you can't drive from Syracuse here really quickly. You'll get backed by the car, <laughs> as we all have noticed. So the first event with these cards legal was the Super Qualifier from Thursday, and they'd only been uh, opened in chests at that point, the thousands of treasure chests that are opened on release day. And at that point, I think there were uh, 
only maybe three decks that showed up in the super qualifier, but uh, Gold Ducat uh, had won it with Loris Delver, and yep. uh, that was um, or I'm sorry, he, he top forward with Loris Delver, and uh, he had two Sprite Dragons in there as well. Yep. So Sprite, we I guess I underrated it last week. I said that I thought that it was going to see play. I can't remember what my actual number was. Did I go the under or the over on that? You went under, but we both went low. And and spoiler alert, we end up seeing in the later challenges that the decks without Sprite Dragon did better than the decks with it. So small sample size, but I'm still not sold on it by any means. Yep. But yes, we do see a lot of people trying it for sure. And we see this Luris deck for the first time, but there was real card availability issues. So I'm mostly writing this challenge off because it seems like not many people could get the cards at that point in time. So I just wanted to mention that real quick, give him credit for being the first one to show up with the deck that we felt probably wasn't wasn't worth playing or existing or whatever we, we said on our last episode. But yep. the challenge on Saturday. So this is the first big event. This event, Gairuda was legal for. And that was, uh, as we discussed, not the case for the next day's challenge, but we had 20 out of 32 of the decks in the top 32 contain, contain companions. It was 11 Luris, 4 Gairuda, 4 Zerda, and 1 Yorion, which I was very upset. I'm actually going to start with the Yorion deck um, because it was the 7-0 through the challenge. It was Lin Chalice playing the 4-color Miracles deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up in fifth place, so lost in top eight, but went 7-0 through the Swiss. And I didn't even read this card, man, because it was five mana, and it was uh, I just assumed it was unplayable. It, so it says you need to start the game with over 20 cards in your in your main deck. Uh, you know, basically you have to play an 80 card deck. Okay. And it bl- I thought it blinked a permanent, but it blinks any number of your own permanents that you want. Like your lands that you used to cast it and everything else. Uh, sorry, it might be non-land. My, my, my bad. So basically, Arkham's Astrolabe, we see in this deck four Astrolabe, obviously, four Omen of the Sea, Yep. which was my favorite from Theros. It's finally showing off thanks to this technicality. And then ice four Ice Fang Coatles, two Snapcaster Mages, two Uros. So there's all these cards that you can get value off of blinking, right? Yep. And I've been playing these, the two, for the last two decks I've been playing a lot of are Recruiter of the Guard decks, like this Bant Ephemerate deck and the Esper Vile deck. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like I missed on this one because if I had just read it and thought about it, I would have gotten there. And I saw, I can't, I honestly can't remember now if it was Max or someone else, but someone tweeted about it the day that uh, these cards went live on Moto and I was like, Fuck. Because, yeah, that was a really good idea. And I think that this one's super legit. And I actually really like the design on it, too. Yeah, so I guess with, like, a blue cantrip shell in Legacy, you have enough cantrips to where, like, you can find your cards. And all of those times where we, like, bag on somebody for playing, like, a 61st card or saying, like, oh, you know what? I don't think this is, like, quite good enough to make the cut. Yeah. When the cut size is 80... (laughs) <laughs> you can get away with playing a lot more of those, right? 
Yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed to see that there weren't more sort of exotic choices in the deck building, but we've talked about this a lot too, that there's this sort of uh, redundancy now with cards like Force of Negation, uh, Ice Fang Coatl, you know, yep. like there's eight Strixes, there's eight Forces, there's, you know, uh, with Veil of Summer, there's eight Pyroblasts, right? Or there already were eight, but there's 12. So there really is that sort of redundancy where you don't have to really reach into these crazy cards. You can just build a, an 80-card deck that's only sacrificing slightly on consistency from your 60-card deck. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. I, I definitely didn't see this card um, potentially seeing play. I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, and I'm really upset because, like I said, I was playing that Ephemerate deck and it's just so perfect there. So the the one thing too I'll mention about this is it has a uh, for Astrolabe. So that's sort of the only concession I would say to the mana being bad is like you know the sixty card version plays four Astrolabe. So the eighty card version with four Astrolabes, you got to assume the mana is a little worse. So actually, Honorag I noticed fixed this in the next challenge by playing this same deck with uh, Abundant Growth, I believe it's called, which is like. Um, turns one of your lands into a rainbow land and draw a card when it comes into play. So you can blink that too. Okay. So nice. For more astrolabes. So yeah, I really I really like that card, honestly. That that's my my commander or companion or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I yep. So yeah, back to the regular lists. This uh this challenge, you know, was more mixed than Sundays. So we had um, the winner and the second place deck were normal, quote unquote, normal decks like the five color snow deck that Rob Gladiator was playing, and then the four color Delver deck mm -hmm. that was played by Antarctica. But then in third place, you see this Zerda Bomberman deck that we alluded to earlier. This is sort of an early version. We've seen them a little different, but do you want to talk about this deck since you were you were the one who was high on Zerda? Yep. Okay. So I knew that it was going to be artifact heavy, but I didn't think it was going to be this artifact heavy. Like, Moxable. didn't think about Chromatic Star. I also didn't really think about, um, like, having enough for Opal. I know that it's probably just, like, really good with Bomberman. Um, but I thought that it was going to be more, uh, more combo-y based. Gotcha. Yeah, and this is a particularly, I would say, uh, conserve yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, a rough version of the deck. It, it seems to have gotten a little more refined since then, mm -hmm. but you can clearly see, you know, what they're thinking at this point. You know, like a LED Bomberman deck, and this deck, according to the people we've talked to about it, is pretty consistently infinite mana turn two. Yeah, another thing that I didn't think that I didn't think of that like I just I should have were the fact that they're playing like multiple spots with their companion like Dude, they're playing I them in the main either. deck and yeah. sideboard i just assumed that everybody would just be playing the one in their sideboard but it makes sense to have copies in your main deck that act as like duplicate copies in case your your sideboard copy gets plowed or bolted or whatever it is yeah and i feel bad because when we had uh joe on a couple weeks ago he might have even said this but i just didn't catch it that you can have more gyrudas in your deck and they act as as more clone effects yep 
or you know possibly if if somehow your first Jiruta doesn't resolve, you know you have backup copies, so you're not just dead for the game now. Yep, so, I I 100 was not thinking about that. Yeah, and that that kind of blew my mind when I first saw it, and that was sort of what first got me to pay more attention to the Jiruta deck was that realization that I'd missed that when I saw an actual deck list in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't expect cards like Grim Monolith to be in this deck either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It, it's a mana ramp spell that gets around the casting cost restrictions for the companion. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so the fourth place deck was Sora. This is the Turbo Jiruta deck. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, everyone I've seen has been a little different. They're different in which cards. Like this one plays Progenitor Mimics as clone effects. Uh, it's winning with Dragonlord Kolagon. And there's Altered Ego. There's no Evil Twin in this one. But, you know, there's basically just variations that all seem to play about the same. Resto Angel is something that's pretty consistent that I I'd missed earlier. But mm-hmm. one thing about this deck that I... I hadn't seen or heard about is sideboard for Leyline of Life Force. Have you seen this one? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'd never seen this card, dude. I I knew it existed. I I did not think about it as a playable card, but this deck is playing 28 creatures and it's a creature combo deck. Um, I, I also don't know the matchups where you want to board in Leyline of Anticipation. That I, I don't I don't know what decks you want that for either, but. I don't know about the Leyline of Anticipation either. Yeah, that's a good call. I had heard that you could win on their upkeep if you play like the Thassa's Oracle version of this deck. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure how you consistently do that. Or like, I don't think you consistently do that. I think you can do that. I think that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like I don't know what the tech would be to, to make that consistent because it seems just worse than the other version to me. But... I guess theoretically it is possible. You just need to have Thassa's Oracle and like your bottom ten cards or whatever. And you can't if you can figure out a reliable way to do that. But this is like four more Cavern of Souls, you know, to bring in against the Counterspell decks. Just seems sure. great. So if you have eight Cavern of Soul effects and then two Mind Break tra- Mind Break Traps, so kind of like ten Cavern of Soul effects, and you have Jiruta in your opening hand every turn every game and you can you know your your chain will go off you can if you can assume you can count on that then it's not hard to see why this deck is so consistent it's kind of like uh joe talked about it being belcher where belcher was always in your opening hand Mm -hmm. and that's kind of exactly what it feels like honestly now looking at it yeah i think that that's the exact idea that i was thinking with um with the red white companion that you just the deck is super consistent because you always have access to it. Mm-hmm. So we we might be in for some trouble. I still I still really don't like. I understand that we have this green ley line that acts as sideboard tech for like force of will, right? Yeah. But your game one, somebody reveals a Geruda, and you're playing a blue deck, like I don't know. Maybe the deck is like consistent enough to be able to hit its main deck copies. So if you force a sideboard copy, they're not completely dead. But it seems seems like a rough ask to consistently beat a forcible deck. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, 
with this ley line of life force, I mean, that that just they're countering what the uh, lion's eye diamond at that point. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if the ley line ends up being in play, then that's what they have to do. But I'm talking about game ones. Oh, so. oh, 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 right. Gotcha. And like mulliganing, mulliganing to a three of ley line, or sorry, they're playing four of mulliganing to a four of ley line. Mm. Um, with a deck that really needs to get to six mana with not a ton of mana sources, like th- this deck is absolutely one and done. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're using LED, you know, to to power out your Jeruda. Well, yeah, or even Grim Monolith, right? Like you're just you're you're playing sixteen land, you're not going to be able to untap that. Right. True. But it's just crazy. Like the you think start thinking about the permutation of hands that you can you can mull down to and still even get an uncounterable Jiruda. You can yep. go as low as three, I think, you know, and still be a- Yeah, double double LED plus light line. The 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 possibility of being able to mulligan to two and win on turn one it blows my mind. But we've we've seen it happen. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying and, and that's sort of the power that this deck has, you know I don't know how reliable it is to go off with these 28 clone effects, but it uh, seems pretty good. Oh, yep. dude, maybe the Leyline of Anticipations are for the mirror. To, oh, just to be able to dump off quicker? Yeah. But it seems to me, if, you, if you're playing the mirror match, uh, you need to be able to attack first, right? No, like, no, because it mills through their library, too. Oh, and you can just steal their things. Yeah. Or you can make it so they don't have enough cards in their library to go off. Okay. Or they don't don't even have enough cards to draw for their draw step. Oh, sure. Yeah. If, um, if, you, if you keep hitting. And you're going to oh. keep hitting, actually, because you have their clones to choose from, too. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's that's brutal. I was thinking you don't want to be able to play your creatures first. And not be able to attack because then they can just hit you with like an image to start the chain. Right. right. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Dude, what is, what happens if you both have leyline of anticipation? Um, does it become just a gigantic game of chicken? Yeah, I think so. Or you just say like uh, like you draw go. You end up going with a uh, uh, resto angel beatdown maybe. I guess resto resto angel beatdown or like um. Yeah, I don't even know. You, you need to like, you need to keep your, like, you you can't go off until you can like go off twice at instant speed, right? And and they yeah one one more time than that basically. That's pretty funny. So yeah, that's uh that's basically a deck. We we can't really say how great it might be because as we talked about, it was banned on Moto because. It did not work with Leyline in play and Leyline of the Void, we should say. Because yep. there's a lot of Leylines being thrown around right now. But with Leyline <laughs> of the Void, you couldn't get cards back that were being exiled. And I totally see why. Like When Joe was talking about that ruling, I was kind of incredulous because it seemed like that shouldn't be the way that it worked. But he, he was confident that it was the way it worked. And... That apparently is the way it's supposed to work. There's a gatherer ruling about it, but it doesn't seem like it should work to me. Yep. But they're, I guess, fixing it. Dude, I would hate to be that fucking developer to have to fix that. 
but that's a, that's another issue because it yep. seems like not the way other cards work. But so when you talk about the cards that that hate this, obviously you've got um, Graft Digger's Cage. Leyline doesn't work, but Graft Digger's Cage would still work. And you know it's like a different subset of cards that you have to think about, right? Rest in Peace doesn't work, for example. So it's not like yep. Reanimator in that regard. I mean, you can hate you can hate the copies from the sideboard with that one the white hate bear that you were talking about last week. Yeah, uh, Dranith Magistrate. Yep. Um, and the cards that you mentioned before can stop the copies coming from the library. I think Cage is probably one of the better ones. Yep. And um, uh, Meddling Mage is actually what we saw JPA come up with. Yeah, Meddling Meddling Mage is along the same lines as that white yep. um, that white hate bear. And I think that meddling mage gets a lot. It gets a lot of like bonus bonus um, play because not only do these companion decks have to reveal it, so you know you can always name the companion. But generally, the shells all seem very similar. So you you understand that if you're playing against the red white companion, maybe maybe you want to name walking ballista if you're afraid of it. Maybe you want to name Karn. Yeah. Um. So. So the decks are right now similar enough to where you see the companion and you know ninety percent of your the rest of your opponent's deck. Um, so meddling mage gets much better. Yeah, maybe not sure. with that eighty card white blue companion, but um, for the rest of them. Yep. So in seventh place, we got Bob playing basically the same list that Goldacott was playing on Thursday which is the Luris Grixis Delver list with the two Sprite Dragons. And yep. uh, Mishra's Bobble. Like we, I'm not sure we talked specifically about Bobble yet, but basically Bobble is a way to get a card out of Luris the turn you cast it if you're casting it on three. And it just makes a lot of sense with this card, right? Yep. And real quick, I wanted to shout out 17th place Cartesian because... This is similar to the list that I started thinking about with Luris, which is that sort of bug list with Tarmogoyfs. Mm-hmm. And Jace, Friends Prodigy, I didn't think about that at all. No, I didn't either. I was just thinking about Goyf, and I, I hate to say it, but Deadweight, because it's another permanent you can get back from the yard, like a, a Fatal uh, Push. What is going on with Lotus Petal in this deck? Can you please let me let me know? Oh, I didn't even notice that. I mean, that's sort of like the pre-bobble tech, right? Like a, a way to, to get a zero off of Luris the turn you cast it. Yeah, but like... <laughs> I hate it. But... Yeah, is it worth it to have an actual Lotus Petal in your deck to do that? Right, obviously you get more more value from your Luris, but like, imagine you playing your Delver Shell and like you just start with a Lotus Petal in your hand. Yeah... I mean, it's kind of weak, but you start with eight cards in your hand, so. Okay, sure. I, you know what? I guess you could think about it as um, the card disadvantage doesn't matter because you have Luris. Right. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I, I still like Bobble a lot more, though. But what, uh, you know, the other thing is that Bobble would power Tarmogoyf. Like, you know, uh, you always talk about the card types and that's why i was thinking about deadweight because it's a removal spell that you can recast with luris and it's also like you know an enchantment for tarmogoyf so it just seemed to like fit together in my head i haven't yep. seen it show up yet but that was did you see mist mist collar 
in the sideboard. I did, bro. You this is this is the card anti Garuda tech. Isn't this the card that started the whole uh, Merfolk thing? Uh, okay. I lost to multiple of these cards in, um, yeah, in Niagara. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that they did absolutely did. <laughs> they are a powerful Merfolk. Miscaller. So just to refresh everyone's memory, because I know nobody's seen it since then, it's a one-one for one merfolk wizard sacrifice it and until end of turn if a non-token creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast exile it instead so yeah this is sort of like uh if you're in bug colors you can't play containment priest but if you're playing luris you can keep getting this card back so it's sort of like a variant on that giraper hope of giraper that we talked about last week right yep um i think it it works it works with everything except it doesn't stop restoration angel because Resto Angel has flash. Right. Um, and you can do it with a trigger on the stack, but it, uh, yeah. It, it's obviously very good against that deck anyway. Yeah, for sure, man. So, yeah, that that's interesting. So, yeah, shout out to Cartesian for figuring this list out. Uh, even if we don't agree on every. Oh, dude, Seal of Removal, too. Did you notice that? Uh, I saw it. I just. I, this deck is rough. That's to pretty. Me. I, I like the Seal of Removal, but it's just a one of. Um, yeah. So, real quick, there was uh, in 19th place, JPA, the, and these lists were 4 threes, it was a smaller challenge, but JPA was playing Luris Stifle, not Delver, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. In 28th, Fruit Duchesne was playing a Gyruda list with Grizzlebrands. And in 26th place, there was a Blue White Helm deck by Ergaspo. And I just, I just always have to shout out Blue White Helm. I was heartbroken when I thought about Zerda and realized you couldn't play Rest in Peace in that deck. <laughs> because that card with blue white helm would be sick so sad so yeah onto the challenge on sunday this was a bigger challenge so eight rounds the 8-0 through the swiss was normal elves no companion just straight up normal elves mm-hmm. but the event was won by jpa and this is the list i want to talk the most about this is uh Luris blue white red delver i guess you'd call it so yeah, JPA won this with a blue-white-red uh, Delver deck that we haven't seen in a long time. And we talked about this on our set review episode, possibly coming back, but I was talking about the fucking Heavenly Whale at the time. <laughs> the, so this is uh, this is sort of like Grixis Delver, except instead of Thoughtseize, you're playing Meddling Mage, three Meddling Mage and one Lavinia, and instead of uh fatal push you're playing source of plowshares yep there's a very solid amount of removal it still has the dreadhorde arcanist engine and this is really set up to fight companion decks yep um very well so i we talked a little bit about meddling mage earlier and i definitely didn't think about that last week but meddling mage and maybe even maybe even that humans deck gets um gets quite a bit of incentive to play that card yeah, no doubt, man. And yeah, everything about this deck seems good, like getting rid of Loras with Swords of Plowshares since the decks are playing on Earth now or Reanimate. Just seems really strong to be playing white to, to win the mirrors, and obviously it worked out for JPA here. Uh, really solid. One other thing, too, about the deck building right now is 
we're seeing a lot of the Grixis Delver and just general companion lists playing Caracas now, sometimes even two Caracases in yep. Delver lists. And a lot of them are just Grixis colored. So like if you can, if you have this card Caracas, which can protect your companion and, and fuck with their companion, but also it, it works with what you're trying to do, right? Like cast white spells specifically. Mm-hmm. That just makes the Caracas better. So you're really using all parts of the Buffalo. So I, yeah, I, it's not it's not just the combo hate card that you're throwing in an off color deck. Like it's an actual mana source. Exactly. So it, it seems more efficient in that way too. So okay. I re- I really just like a lot of what this deck is doing basically. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I guess there might be some interactions with like Caracas Lavinia, but um, it's more like the Caracas Thalia interaction with just being able to save it. Yeah, exactly. What so, do you think about second place? So this deck, dude, this is crazy. And this is something that I had not considered at all, which is the restriction on Loris is that you can only have a maximum of two mana costs on your permanents in your deck. Yep. And X, of course, in your hand or in your deck is zero. So Martin Med Mitten got decided to get around this playing like a steel stompy ish list with yeah this uh, is like legacy shops yes so there's uh four walking ballista one hanger back walker and four stone coil serpent and uh yeah that's it really but all these x spells basically so if you're playing them from your graveyard you have to play them for two but if you're playing them from your hands or you know in the absence of luris you can do whatever the hell you want I think most of these X spells are going to end up coming out for for one or two anyway. Like, this deck isn't super big mana, so the X gets around it, but it's not really getting around it, right? Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's a good point. Definitely. Uh, you know, if you have Chalice you, in play, they're coming out for two, but... I'm not sure if I'm sold on the two Wasteland main deck, two Wasteland sideboard. Um, oh. I, I would think that I would just straight up want four in the main deck, but it's... That's a deck builder's choice, I guess. Yeah, but then you'd have to cut one of the Caracuses. I, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, Caracas such an important planes. Card. One basic planes. Yep. That's so weird. Huh? Gotta get out of Blood Moon? I don't know. I have no idea. Gotta cast your Luris, right? Oh, I understand that. I just, like, I don't understand the one. Yeah. But. But this deck is pretty sweet, man. I, I don't know, you know, there's four Lotus Petals, four Mox Opals, two Caracas, one Basic Plains, and two and one Urborg for mm-hmm. casting Luris. Yep. So I'm not sure how reliably it's casting it, but also, like, you're not giving up that much from a regular Steel Stompy deck, which was already good, right? Right. I mean, it was, it was already playable. I don't know if it was already good. Right. It was good at one point, for sure. So it was already, uh, you know, a, a reasonable deck, and then you just get this all this benefit off of Luris. Like what's, where are you foregoing? Like, were they playing any Karns? Uh, I think that the shells that I had seen a while ago were, um, uh, were playing a few. Okay. Not like definitely not jamming the full four of playset, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. So I remember when Dominaria came out, they were playing that Karn for a while, but the, uh, that's the only real sacrifice I can think of off the top of my head. So yeah, it seems like a, a great fit. This was not a deck I thought about at all. But 
obviously it's, it's doing really well. It's a strong deck. In third place, Anurag. We talked about this a little earlier. This is the 60-card Yorion deck. This is... Uh, well, I guess it is Miracles, right? Not not the Snow deck as much as just Miracles. You got three Terminus and one Entreat. Yep. Basically the same as the deck we saw the day before, but the Abundant Growth tech that I mentioned earlier. As a one-of in the gigantic deck. Yep. And, yeah, From the Ashes. <laughs> yep, From the Ashes, Intuition. Um, intuitioning for, like, three three accumulated knowledge. Or from the ashes, Snapcaster, something else to be able to cast it again. Yeah, I uh, I like it. Yeah, dude, it seems pretty sweet. So then we've got continuing on in fifth place. There's Hoey with Grixis Delver with Luris. There's a uh, Veil of Bummer with I think that's Landon with Luris uh, Tess or sort of between Tess and Ant, but. Yep, the just storm version with that card. Yep. And then there's a blue red Del versus Zoom and Kuhn 1985 with Blue Red Delver with no Luris. This is just like true name nemesis. And I kinda wanted to look at this deck because I wanted to go back to the headspace we were in when we said Luris wouldn't be played. Mm-hmm. What what are you sacrificing? from this this blue-red Delver list. I mean, obviously, the blue-red gets the better mana, like with two basic islands, but it's really just three true-name... Uh, three... Yeah, there are three, right? Yeah, three true-name nemesis, right? Yeah, but I think that when we were saying that we weren't... We didn't think we are going to see that played in Delver, we were thinking more of, like, the strength of Garmag Angler rather than, yeah. like, the blue-red shell. So... Yeah. I mean, I I don't think we were on on point with how powerful that card was because we weren't thinking about, all right, why don't we just put it in blue red Delver? I I definitely wasn't going down that road at all last week. Yeah, me neither. And but it just seems kind of crazy to think about because not all the decks were playing any true names to begin with, but if they if they were, you'd see like one or two. Same with Borrower, and then you know one or two Gurmag Anglers. Mm-hmm. So the strength of those cards that you just have in your deck versus this card that you have in your hand every game it it seems like you know i i, I feel like i didn't properly evaluate that trade-off last last week so it kind of was fascinating to look at a list that didn't have luris in, mm-hmm. in this wasteland where every deck has luris and really see oh maybe you're not giving up that much right yep no in and in this version you're definitely not Yep. And then eighth place, we've got Tess, Bryant Cook with Loris in the sideboard. There are no, there's three Hope of Gear up here in the sideboard, which we talked about. And there's a Taiga in the main deck. But other than that, there's no real departure in terms like stuff we didn't expect to see in the deck. There's no cute permanent now that, yep. you know, is getting recurred or whatever. Yeah, it's the same stuff that we thought. Pretty straight business, yeah. Just three Hope of Gear per sideboard. And that's not a card that was off sort of the radar before. Um, right. I think Bryant had forgotten to swap those cards to the main deck in one of his challenges that he played in. Or one of the leagues that he played in and uh, had four of the main deck a while ago. Yeah. So if you recall, uh, 
was talking about the five mana five five earlier. It's apparently it's called Gigantha the Wellspring. And Calmaster P got ninth place playing this card in lands. And you really you don't have to sacrifice anything. So the the companion text on this one is no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its cost. Yep. So this is just lands, just regular old lands with a five five four five that you can just cast out of the sideboard, and it taps for mana that's not entirely useless, right? Yeah, I mean it taps for five mana, which is cool, and I guess that like it's just free. Like maybe you don't need your fifteenth sideboard slot in this deck as much as you need it in others. I just like. I would question how good it is. Like, yeah, it gets to play it for free. But why? And maybe I'm really wrong about that. Maybe next week, after seeing it played a little bit more in lands, I'm like, oh, wow, why Why did I ever say that? But No, I'm dude, still, that, that's, how, that's how I felt last week, too. I was talking about that conversation with Rich. I was like, you know, just why Why would you do it, though? You know, like, what? why, why is that good enough? Yep. And what I was actually thinking... Is that maybe lands? Maybe lands would rather play uh, Luris, right? Because you'd have to forego Oko or Uro or Tireless Tracker from the sideboard in your main deck. But what are you getting back? Like extra copies of Exploration that you milled or Mox Diamonds or something? Yeah, when you start going off with Loam, and you know you always end up binning uh, Explorations and Mox Diamonds. Exactly. It, I think that like if you're churning through with Loam and you have that going already. Re like just recasting your loam is probably a better use of your mana. But like, it, at least you're it serves at that snowball point. Yeah, I don't know. At least it serves some sort of purpose, like in your game plan. Like uh, we can talk about hypothetically what it does, aside from just being a five-five body, right? Yep. Well, I mean, like I think it's just a five-five body. It gives you access to like be able to to work with your dark depths. Maybe you can uh, recur a punishing fire a little quicker. Um, it casts Euro, I guess, but if you had that mana, you could have cast it before. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, right? Like, uh, but obviously oh, this, this deck, deck isn't playing Punishing Fire anymore. No. But yeah, no, it is playing for Euro, so that is the trade-off you would have to make to play Luris. You couldn't play those Euros. So I don't know, man. This is interesting. I, I'm kind of curious to see if these stay legal, whether lands ends up being a gigantha deck or a luris deck or a non-companion deck i don't know yep you think they're gonna stay legal if i had to bet on it i think i would say the most likely scenario and i don't even think this has a plurality like i think that this might be like 40 percent likely yep. is that just luris would get banned or, okay. or I'm sorry, Jairuda and Loris. Okay. And and then the next most likely scenario, I think, is that they, they just ban the whole they mechanic. Ban, they ban yeah. all of them. That's another forty percent, and then twenty percent would be that they do some sort of errata to the mechanic. Okay. So yeah, I think. Yeah. I I think the the last option, eroding the mechanic, like, I'm just. They could change the, the, the magic rules to make that wording something different, right. essentially eroding it. 
but I don't know if they would if they would actually go through and change the text on the card. Yeah, no, it's definitely not the text on the card. So that that's sort of the distinction I was like talking to our friend James about earlier. Is he was saying like you start the game with six cards if you have a companion, like some sort of errata like that. And I think that that's okay. that's just too much of a departure from what's written on the card. Like none yep. of that's on the card. So I don't think that they would do an errata like that. But yeah, like a game rules errata, like with the wishes we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That That's the sort of errata that I'm talking about. Okay, I got you. So yeah, basically, we'll see what happens. But this this whole challenge, we've got uh, Shorak with Grixis, Stelver with Luris. Oh, actually 12th place. Sprite, Sprite Dragon everywhere. Uh, well, so, okay. I forgot. We should talk about this. So, Hoey was playing Loris, Grixis, Delver in fifth place, right? Yep. And then we've... So, in that list, we've got no Sprite Dragons. That's actually fourth place, sorry. And then in uh, 11th place, we've got Shorak with Grixis, Delver, Loris with no Sprite Dragons. Okay. And then in 12th place, we've got C. Newman with a single Sprite Dragon. Yeah, I, I think that they're they're still popping up everywhere. They are, yeah. A lot of people, but you see, like almost every list has them as we go further down. But it seems kind of like the list that didn't have them were the ones that did the best. But obviously, it's a tiny sample size. But yep, I I still I'm sort of confident in my read on it. I got you. There's one thing though about this 12th place C Newman deck, Krauxa, right? The Titan of Yeah, I, I had to I had to read that again. So it's black red for a whatever they're called, Titan or God or something. That you know, you get sacrificed it when you cast it, but they have to discard and if they discard like a, a non if they discard a land, they take three damage basically. Mm-hmm. So this card, you escape it for black, black, red, red. So it's not something that Delver would usually be interested in. But if you have Luris you can just cast it for its regular cost out of your graveyard, right? Oh, yeah, because it comes, it enters from the graveyard. So you can just turn this into black-red, deal deal three damage or discard every single turn. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't think about the interaction there. Dude, me neither. And when I saw this, I was like, holy fuck, that's really good. Wow. Yeah, I, okay. lo- I love that. I didn't. I didn't think about that at all. That's great. Yeah, I, I really would not be surprised to see one Kroxa in a lot of these lists going forward. 13th place is pretty wild because this is Doomsday uh, with Loris in the sideboard. Yep. And, dude, did you ever think you would see when Gilded Goose was spoiled, did you think Doomsday card? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I can't, Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a Bant, this is a Bant card. Yeah, <laughs> um, Doomsday. Uh, I don't understand. You know how we were talking earlier about like I- I'm okay with missing on that because it's kind of the deck that I like yeah. would never be used to playing. Yeah. Um, I think that's the same thing with me and Doomsday. Like I, I don't know what's going on there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I'm not sure that Loris is that great in this deck, but it's it's not bad. You know, like it's not like they're having to make deck building concessions to it. Yep, it's true. So. Yeah, it seems like straight upside. I don't know any. And another Zerda deck too. What's that? In 60, like before we before we uh, 
Skip over it. What are you going to say? Another Zerda deck. Oh, Zeruda. Oh, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Zerda. Which yeah. place is that? Uh, 16th. Oh, Bit, gotcha. Like, more heavy on the Karns and, um, and mana artifacts that aren't zero. Yeah, Voltaic. Actually, no, there's... Yeah, never mind. More mana artifacts that are zero, but heavier on the other stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, there are, I think, four Zerda decks, or maybe even more, maybe six Zerda decks. This was the challenge where there were 23 out of 32 were companion decks. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, 17th, uh, 17th and 19th were Grixis Delver decks. The 19th place deck uh, was Niccolo playing actually Hope of Giraper. And I'd never seen that in a, a Grixis Delver deck, but it can lock people out you know, the same way it does in Tess. You're not trying to protect your combo with it, but you can just lock people out from casting non-creature spells on their turn. It seems good. They never cast their pond or anything. Yeah, and I guess it's a it's a really good like veil of summerish proactive threat against storm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so. it seems pretty sweet. Like I wouldn't have gotten there, but it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, twenty first, twenty second, more Zerda bomber man. Twenty third. This broke my heart, man. Yo soy easy, humans. humans. No, no Danith magistrate. I was thinking I was going to get on the board with that one week one. When well, I saw. there's meddling mage already. There is, and but there are there's a new card in here that we didn't talk about. Which one? General Kudro of Danith. There's two. Oh, I have to read this because we didn't talk about it last week. Yep. One white black legendary human. Other humans you control get plus one, plus one. Okay. Whenever it enters the battlefield under your, your control, or another human enters the battlefield under your control, exile target card from the opponent's graveyard. Pay two mana and sacrifice two humans to destroy, destroy target creature with power four or greater. Okay, weird. Like, it's an anthem. That's cool. Yeah. The, um, the exile clause is probably useful. Yep. I don't know. I don't know how much that effect plays into why they're playing it, but that that last ability, I'm not really. I mean, it's it's okay. I don't know if that's the value that you're really looking for, though. Yep. All right, so I don't know about that card. The last deck, because we're in the six twos now, but the last deck from the challenge I want to talk about was thirtieth place, Luris Lands. So this is this is sort of the flip side of that coin of which companion you want to play in the lands deck. Yep. This deck, obviously, no Okos or Uro, so the card advantage engine there is Dark Confidant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob and Sylvan Library, and those cards together. Whew. Yeah, and with Luris, too. So you can set up some crazy shit. You know, Bob plays well with Luris. First of all, you can play it at all. And second mm-hmm. of all, you can recast it out of your graveyard, or if you mill it, you know, or it dies or whatever. Yep. So this is the the alternate build of lands. I'm not ready to say you know one is is better than the other. Remains to be seen, but this is a uh, you know if these stay legal, it'll be interesting to see which is better. I guess. Yeah, and I mean ninety percent of the shell is the same. I, I think that uh, Luris probably has a little bit more upside. I yeah. think that the 5-5 five, five mana creature is just like, it's free, but it's high-end isn't quite there. 
So the last thing I wanted to mention was the Legacy League. We did have uh, Kinnon, Bonder, Prodigy show up in a, a blue-green uh, Emery deck. Yep, not opposition, just Emery. I believe so, yeah. I'm checking it out now. So sad. <laughs> but it seems like uh, Goldicott was staying on the Sprite Dragon plan. Wait, no, never mind. That's I'm looking at the Super Qualifier, not the League. Never mind. Yeah, so this is... Uh, Pokemoki with the 5-0 with... Three Kinnon Bonder Prodigy, four Emery Lurker of the Lock, three Urza Lord High Artificer. And mm-hmm. it seems like a perfect fit. I don't know. I didn't even think about it with Urza when we talked about it last week. But this deck, we talked about this before as just being a good deck that sort of got ported over from Modern that we never really thought about in Legacy. Mm-hmm. But it seems really good. And also this has Zerda in the sideboard, which I thought was super, super weird. Yeah. Um, I think the League... The league results are more shaky than the first challenge results playing all these companions. So yep. we'll see how everything shakes out. But I didn't I didn't think about that card with Emery at all. Yep. So anything else, bro? No, I uh I was kind of off today. No, maybe dude. it's because there's no no alcohol in my system. Uh, we're recording in the middle of the day and it's rainy and dumpy. But yeah, I started, was, I was it just off. started raining here too. I was off too because there's this feeling that we just talked for an hour about nothing because by the time we record next time these cards aren't even gonna be illegal yeah the, honestly like we we could be looking back and like have that that feeling that you had listening to our last yeah. week's cast <laughs> next week please like, no why why we're even talking about all of that because there's no way those cards are going to stay around yeah i but, felt i felt like such a scrub listening to our last cast so i, I really hope this doesn't happen twice now I there's a there's a there's a good chance it does. There really is, yeah. So but we'll ev- be back next week to do the same thing. <laughs> and we can't be wrong three weeks in a row. Dude, who would have thought Legacy would be having radical paradigm shifts while nobody was playing? I it's crazy. They just want to give people something to think about while we're all locked down. Oh, bro, I sold my my Mox Pearl today. Oh, the first uh, piece of power I've sold since 1996. It's a weird feeling, like it. Like letting go of a piece of power is like, yep. You know, I I did not like it, but um, <laughs> things have to be done. I I don't regret it. I yeah. don't regret it at all. I I'm not willing to say I don't regret it, but I, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's the right move. So, uh, congrats to DJ picking up his Max Perel, completing his set. Oh, okay. At least it went to somebody good. <laughs> yeah, it's our boy. So, congrats. And yeah, if that if you got nothing else, man, where can people find you if they want to compliment your Zerda spotting skills? Uh, T Smiley MTG. You can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. If you want to tell me that uh, next week, I need to make sure that I'm drinking something so our cast is better. You can find my wife on Twitter. She um, <sighs> she comments on my posts. So say that Tom needs a beer, and the cast will be better next week. So going with the the principal rule of the internet that every time you see uh no never mind I'm not gonna say it. no I need to know where you're going with this uh every everybody on the internet every woman on the internet is secretly a man right oh okay sure that was like the early internet joke is yep 
is like uh, when you're like a kid on the internet or whatever, you have to be scared of everybody. Tom's usually running Alyssa's account is the longest. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will ask her to like something, or I will. I do not. Nope, I don't. I run two of them, so sometimes I accidentally comment on both of them, so it makes it seem like I'm doing weird stuff. But it, I do not run hers. All right. <laughs> We, we're awaiting proof. We got okay. a, we got an IP request out to Twitter. So yeah, where um where can they find you if they want to get at you? At Ian eighteen and twenty five. You can find the cast at dead, uh, deadformatcast at gmail dot com or at deadformatcast on Twitter. And we got to figure out a time for the Zoom call, bro. Yeah, we'll get Discord. I can't make any promises. <laughs> I got a lot of drafting to do, bro. <laughs> we'll just log in. While you're drafting, All right, I'll just try. use the web version of it. If I have 80 more alerts about fucking t-shirts, that's it. I'm never coming back. And that's a wrap.